You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. Sorry, I couldn't think of what a beaver sound makes, so I just did a chainsaw was instead. Was that happy chainsaw noises? Yes. That was a pretty good chainsaw. <laughs> Very happy chainsaw noises. <laughs> Woo! Go Beavs. Woo! Elite eight. Pick 12th in the Pac-12. Wins the Pac-12 tournament. Then as a 12 seed, there's 12s all around, and now they're going to the Elite Eight. Well, that's Daniel Hargrove. I've watched those games in the weirdest of places, by the way. <laughs> more of that later. First, let's get it going with a two-minute drill. <laughs> this is Justin Domashevitz over here. I don't care. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Hold up. <laughs> gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two-minute situation. 44 seconds. Hand the ball around. Gun duel right, gun duel right. Three jet Buckeye. Don't worry. Three. The two-minute drill starts now. Oregon State won. Sorry. Okay. Seattle Seahawks have added <laughs> defensive end Kerry Hyder Jr. in free agency and retained free agents Carlos Dunlap, Puna Ford, and Benson Mayo on the defensive line. Daniel, are you feeling better or worse about Seattle's pass rush this season? I'm feeling better about it. I know that Jaron Reed's going to be a loss if they can't get him back on a smaller deal, which that's what it looks like it's going to be. But you know what? He had that one big season, and he really didn't do too much in by way of pass rush after that i'm excited that they got carlos dunlap first but i was starting to look into this carrie Hyder jr guy he had his best season of his career last year with eight and a half sacks so i'm kind of excited about him and what he can bring into this mix and then hopefully their what second round pick from the previous year daryl taylor can actually come in and make some big plays as well Danny O'Neill said on Danian Gallant on Tuesday that DK Metcalf is the best receiver in the NFC West and DeAndre Hopkins is past his prime. <laughs> Justin, do you agree with Danny? I could have bought the first part of that, but saying DeAndre Hopkins is past his prime, just coming off a season with a brand new team in which he was near, near career highs in both receptions and receiving yards, I'd say DeAndre Hopkins is not past his prime, but I'll buy the DK Metcalf part of this. DK absolutely has the potential to be the best wide receiver in the NFC West and better than Hopkins. <laughs> Daniel, your Oregon State Beavers yeah. pulled their third consecutive tourney upset on Saturday. <laughs> I guess maybe even like fifth consecutive if you go back to the Pac-12 tourney. Yes. They beat Sister Jean in the Sweet 16. Get out of here, Sister Jean. The Beavs will face second-seeded <laughs> Houston on Monday. Is there another upset brewing? You know what? Uh... Last week, you asked me if they were going to beat Oklahoma State, and I was like, yes! So I'm going to go, yes, they are! Oh my gosh, I can't believe what I'm saying. I have so much confidence in this team. The depth of this squad is so much better than I thought it was going into the tournament, and because of that depth, I think that they can compete with anybody, especially when you got a closer like Ethan Thompson, who has just been an absolute stud, and then Jared Lucas, who's always looking to hit the big shot. I know that Houston has a really good defense, so that gives me a little bit of qualm, but people were saying the same thing. Exactly. They were saying the same thing about Loyola, so that's the style of basketball that Oregon State likes to play. If they can stay hot, 
then yes, they're going to head to the final four. I'm so excited. I can't even wait. And hopefully I don't have to watch it while I'm on a hike. The Portland Trailblazers traded Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood to the Toronto Raptors at the trade deadline last week for sharpshooting wing at Norman Powell. Justin, does this trade help the Blazers? Well, basically, Rodney Hood is kind of just a throwaway or a throw-in player at this point. Gary Trent's the big deal here. And Norman Powell is basically just what you hope Gary Trent is going to turn into. Uh, Trent actually started going a little cold. He's been a really good three-point shooter in the last couple years, but he's shooting 31.2% from deep in March. The Blazers want to win this year. Norman Powell is shooting 41.7 on three-pointers since 2018. That's two and a half seasons and 38.1% during his six-year career. I think he'll bring a level of consistency shooting from the outside to the Blazers. I like the deal, and ultimately you got rid of two Dukies, so you made your team (laughs) a billion times more likable. Go Beavs. Yes, go Beavs. I do like that trade, I think. But the one thing I'm wondering about is Gary Trent Jr. seemed like he was someone that they leaned on to play defense. Do you mm-hmm. know anything about Norman Powell's defense? I don't. I, I think they probably worry a little bit less about that because they made the additions of Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington for lockdown perimeter defense. So they probably worry about that a little bit less. But also, like, you... You could see when the Blazers play, when they get into the fourth quarter and it's shutdown time, Dame is not guarding somebody who's the best player on the other team. It's no. always DJJ or it's always Rocco. So Just I, throwing around nicknames. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, so enough about that team. Beavers! Yes. Uh, did you watch any of We're the We're going to call this segment The Beaver Zone. The Beaver Zone. <laughs> have, did you watch any of the games? I have watched every Beavers game this oh tournament. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm so giddy right now. I can't even. Like yesterday, I was talking to my wife in the kitchen after the game, and it was a great day. It wasn't just the Beavers had won, but also it was a beautiful day out. We ate at the Grizzly Den. I was just on cloud nine, and I think I turned to her and I was like, this is one of the best days of my life. (laughs) Yeah. I, I can't even right now. That's fair. This team wasn't supposed to make it to the tournament. I've been complaining about Oregon State basketball to you for the longest time. Every time you're like, oh, we should be okay with teams who are just making it to the tournament or with anything. I'm always like, well, you can say that you're a Tar Heel fan. Yeah, well, like we talk about, we always talk about managing expectations. Yes. And so so it was thrilling just for your team to make it to the tournament. It was thrilling for them to make it to the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah. They won. And then they won their first game. They took out a five seed, and then they took out a four seed. And then everybody was like, oh, Loyola's way better than an eight seed. I can't believe Illinois had to play them in the second round. Blah, blah, blah. Then they got beat by a 12 seed from the Pac-12, which was supposed to be garbage. I am willing to say. (laughs) So I'm going to do something that I haven't done very many times. Um, I'm going to admit that I was wrong. (laughs) So this year, and it's been a weird year for college basketball because there wasn't nearly as much interconference play. Mm -hmm. Is that what it is? When you play against a different conference or is that intra-conference? No, it's inter. 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 Okay, anyway. There hasn't been as much play between conferences as we're used to, so you don't have all the transitive property to figure out which is best. Also, because... In the beginning of the year, there were several Pac-12 teams who had slow starts. They had COVID slowdowns. They had 
players missing due to injury. Some of the Pac-12 teams lost those games early in the season because it, it was mostly because they weren't at full strength. So while has the Pac-12 exceeded expectation in the tournament? Yeah, they have because, wow, they've been amazing. Yes. But at the same time, the dialogue that I've heard from the national media this week is, oh, you know, we weren't really wrong about the oh Pac-12. These are all, they're all elimination games. Anything can happen, blah, blah, blah. This sample size is big enough we were wrong about the Pac-12, <laughs> yes. myself included. I thought the Pac-12 was poopy, poopy, butt, butt soup. <laughs> I thought they were terrible. And it turns out <laughs> this conference and the Big Ten, which was supposed to be the best conference in the country, was terrible in the yes. tournament. And you know what the rationalization I heard over and over again was? Well, they all just beat each other up during the regular season. Oh, my god! This is basketball. It's not football. You don't beat each other up during the regular season. You make each other better by having high-level competition. Yes. It's ridiculous. The national media needs to admit they need publicly, as a group, we were wrong. The Pac-12 is better than we thought, and the Big Ten, which we've been pumping up all year, was not as good as we said it was. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. And I got to say, normally, that you know, it's just fitting that this happens this year because normally I'm like the biggest Pac-12 homer when I'm filling out my bracket. I'm like, oh, this team's going to win this Pac-12 team. And they all suck. But that's what normally <laughs> happens. This year, uh, I listened, you know, I hear it all, all the time from the national media, but then I listened to you and Veek yeah. do your pre-bracket podcast. And I was like, just hearing you guys just rip into the Pac-12 constantly. Well, I would like to say Veek had way more opinions than I did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and this was the year where like almost every Pac-12 game I pick, picked against. So much so that yeah. I picked UCLA, the winner of the UCLA-Michigan State game. Mm -hmm. I picked them to go to the Sweet 16. Until I found out that UCLA won. And then I was like, oh, I better switch that out and have them lose in the next game. Yeah, UCLA's pretty good. Yeah, it turns out they're pretty good. <laughs> but let's talk oh about gosh. the Beavers for a minute. Yes. Because we don't have a lot of time. This is, Daniel, your team is one of the final eight in the country. So by talking about them for the first time ever, we are not homering out. No. We get to talk about a team that we've watched intensely for the last three games that is on one of the biggest stages possible. So my feeling when I watch this team is, first of all, they don't always handle on-ball pressure very well, especially no. on the perimeter. Yeah, they have like two people who I trust to do that. Exactly. And Loyola, that's like their biggest strength. Mm -hmm. But the Beavers' defense was so good that even when, I mean, they went through 10 minutes of the first half against Loyola with like three points. Yeah. They couldn't score at all. But they completely turned it around and they scored something like 21 points in the last 10 minutes of the first half. And after that, the offense was good enough through the whole rest of the game that even when Loyola started hitting buckets, the Beavers had enough offensive momentum they kept it going. They answered every time. Every big shot, it seemed like they answered. My biggest takeaway is, first of all, this team has some really good players. Mm -hmm. They've got some really good shooters. What's the name of the guy? Is it Lucas? The shorter guy with yeah. like the goatee? Yeah. Yeah, Lucas. That guy's a big-time shooter. Yeah. And he can shoot it a lot of different ways. He can pull up. He can catch and shoot. He can shoot it at different angles. Actually, the, he kind of reminds me of, of Jimmer Fredette in the... In like the because mm -hmm. there are very few guys that can just grab the ball, jump up, their legs are flying all off in yeah. random directions, yeah. and it looks terrible. But they always get their shoulders square and they hit the high percentage of mm -hmm. shots, and that's what he reminds me of. 
But Thompson, Ethan Thompson, this guy, he's a big-bodied, strong guard. He can score on all three levels. He can face up and handle the ball confidently. He's a good passer. This guy is an NBA-level talent that I had not heard of <laughs> until this tournament started. Yeah. How did I miss him? I don't know. I mean, I know that I've brought him up before. So every time I talked about Oregon I State don't basketball. listen very well. Though. Yeah. And especially when I started talking about Oregon State basketball, you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go watch my ACC teams that are losing. <laughs> hey, we still got one. <laughs> but he was part of – so when Wayne Tinkle took over as head coach. Tinkle? <laughs> every time. When he took over as head coach, he brought his son, Trey Tinkle, and or Trace, and uh, then he had an assistant coach come. And I remember it was at kind of that time when like the Porter thing was happening with UW, and we were talking about, oh, you bring in a coach so you can get their sons to play. And I was always like, huh, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> While Oregon State was doing the exact same thing. So... They brought in an assistant coach. Uh, I can't remember his. I want to say his name's Stephen Thompson, but his son's name is Stevie, and he was the older one. And people were like, "Yeah, Stevie's really good. You know, he's a good outside shooter. He's a smaller guard, though, really thin. But wait till Ethan gets here. He's a couple years behind him, and he's the big talent. And all three of those kids were top 100 players in the nation. You know, for a long time, getting recruited, and so it was really exciting. And now. It seems like Ethan is just completely, fully hitting his stride. He's so confident shooting the ball from the outside. And Lucas, that's a guy, he's the third all-time high school basketball scorer in the state of California. That's a that's a big-time state to have that kind of a record in. So I'm pretty sure that he ended up at Oregon State because he's short. Like, he is a small guy. So He's a, explosive, though. Yeah, he is a just a pure scorer. Yeah. And so those two guys, and then... You know, there's some there's some issues, but the depth that has come on in this tournament in Pac-12 run with Kalu, who came out of nowhere, he's a transfer from Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, he got kicked off the team, and then he went and played at a community <laughs> college, and now he's a transfer to Oregon State. Uh, he's hit some huge shots, mm-hmm. and you can see why he was a big-time recruit to Oklahoma State. Uh, Silver, I had no idea who that guy was, but he has hit big shots, and, I mean, only like a couple – but seemingly big shots every time he has taken him off the bench. And then uh, my new favorite player, Warith Alatiche, or Warith Alatiche, I can't even pronounce his first name. I just say, I just yell Alatiche every time he does something. <laughs> He's only like 6'7", and he kind of plays a power forward position, but the dude jumps out of the freaking gym. Yeah. He is so explosive. And Silva, who basically I have viewed all during the regular season as just a big oaf. Yeah, he's oafy. Tri- but he's been playing great. Yeah. He had what? He didn't miss a shot in the opening round yep. game. And I think he, he was had like eight for eight. 16 yeah. points, eight for eight. Yeah. Perfect game. And he played really good defense against what? Krutwig? Krutwig, yeah. Krutwig. Yeah. I was not expecting that. I was expecting Krutwig to have a monster game against us. I think Silva, because he is Ophi and a little cement footed. Like when you watch. Any fast break where he's running down the floor, he's laboring. Like, yeah. he's not fast. <laughs> no. But he is big, and he's really strong, and he's also smart at uh, getting in good position. You mm-hmm. know, he's a good rebounder. Yeah. Um, he's smart in the way that he uses his body, and, and a lot of his points come just off of second-chance buckets because he puts himself in such good positions. Yeah. And the other thing, you mentioned their defense. 
they must they played i think i counted four different defenses mm-hmm. and that was just the ones that i saw they, they had played, loyola spinning I yeah mean. they play a man they played a two three where they just sat silva in the middle they played a three two at points and they played a, a one three one at the end when they were just like all right we can't give up a three let's just you know make sure that we're covering all these spots on the outside and they extended it and i i when you have a team that can execute different types of defenses all very well and you have all of the players on the court completely bought into how they play defense, that's when you get times where you can just shut people down. And it also doesn't help that it seems like every team they've played against have gone ice cold from the outside. Yeah. I, my, my biggest takeaway from this team is that you know I check NBA mock drafts pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. I want to see Ethan Thompson start to pop up on some of those things because that guy is a legitimate... I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but he 100% has NBA-level talent. Mm -hmm. I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, I think think we're good to move on. Yeah. Okay, well, it's now time for Justin's favorite part of the show, or is it? questions up on a silver (laughs) platter where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Time for Stump. Justin, what is the is it? What is the is it? Oh, it's time for Stump Justin! Well, now I feel feel really good about the fact that I spent... 40 seconds preparing Stump Daniel today. <laughs> I'm so glad. I was a little worried about not telling you that I was doing Stump Justin until you said that you like made the laziest Stump Daniel possible. I, I did. And it's also not very interesting. Good. Oh, Daniel, you should have waited for him to completely <laughs> fail to stump you again. And then... <laughs> well, he stumped me last time. That was That's a good true. one. Stupid Jason Vargas. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we've got some help. As per usual, when it's time for Stump Justin, we've had Ian help us in the time. Uh, it is time for Stump Justin with the help of Francis. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see the reaction on your face. That's exactly Ooh. what I wanted to see. So the, the my trepidation is that Francis knows me well enough to go <laughs> right to the spots where it's going to hurt. Yep. That's what I'm worried about. Because I, the yep. reason why Stump Daniel works so well as a segment is because you feel shame when you do things poorly. <laughs> I generally do not. I, I don't feel a lot of shame. So you're going to have to like really go into my wheelhouse. <laughs> and make me look bad well we'll to, see we'll see okay. how he does um he said i think this stemmed from you saying that you fell asleep like two seconds into the lord of the rings movies too soon to figure out what hobbits were yeah so <laughs> no, he says, i know what a hobbit is okay anyway he says there are nine questions same as the number of rings given to the race of men who above all else desire power <laughs> I love Francis. Francis anyway. told me, sorry, I don't mean to derail this, <laughs> okay. but yes, you do. When, after Francis listened to the podcast, when I said Lord of the Rings was boring and I fell asleep twice trying to watch it recently, uh, he came up to me very angrily, legitimately angrily and said, we can't be friends. Anymore. <laughs> I can't, I don't have his message right here in front of me, but he said it's something like it cannot go unpunished. <laughs> so question one. Are you ready for Stump Daniel? I was born ready for Stump Daniel. (laughs) Stump Justin. (laughs) All right. Hall of Famer Dan Marino replaced a Super Bowl starting quarterback when he took over as the starter in Miami in 1983. Who was that quarterback? Bob Greasy. That's wrong. (sighs) Terrible guess. That's my line. Yeah. The answer is David Eugene Woodley. I have no idea who that is. (laughs) 
and then he adds a little fact here. Woodley, along with Ken Stabler, are the only two starters in NFL history with a career winning percentage above 600, while also throwing at least 10 more interceptions than touchdowns. The, That's the, amazing. The yeah. feeling that I have in my stomach right now, is that the feeling you have during Sub Daniel every week? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. It's not pleasant. All right. Question number two. I disagree. I find you, it very pleasant. You are 0 for 1. All right. Four African-American quarterbacks have won the NFL MVP. Can you name them? Cam Newton. Yes. Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Randall Cunningham. Nope. Hmm. Lamar Jackson. Yes. I'll give you an extra guess on the last one. Okay. That's just because I'm a nice man. MVPs. I'm running through them in my head. Oh, Steve McNair. Oh, I shouldn't have given you the last one. He won co-MVP. <laughs> Co-MVP with Peyton Manning that one year. Yes. So I shouldn't have given you the last one because that would have been quite embarrassing. Yeah, that you. would have been real embarrassing. Since he's because he's like one of your favorite players. But for sure. Yeah. I'm a great embarrassing that it was the last one you thought of. Yeah. The fifth one that you still thought of. I'm a gracious host, though. So. You are so gracious. Yes. All right. So... You got, uh, I will give you the full point for that question. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Very gracious. Yes. Wait, I only get one point? I got four right. Yeah, but that was all question number two. Oh, good lord. <laughs> Scoring system is unfair. <laughs> all right. Sticking with NFL MVPs, which player has won the most MVPs? <laughs> Brett Favre. Oh. Terrible guess. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. It's Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is he, Francis then said, admittedly an easy one, but if he misses it, considering one of his children is named after Peyton, the potential humiliation was too good to pass up. <laughs> Yes, Francis! I'm doing okay. Yes! I'm not that upset. How many negative points was that? Oh, a billion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he says, side note, Peyton was the fastest freshman at the 100 meters in Monty's first track meet this season. Set a PR as well, so kudos to him. Different Peyton. That's my son. That's your son, Peyton. Mm -hmm. But are you sure? I mean, I guess I could have given you the chance to answer that one. All right, question number four. You've got one correct. Only two non-running backs have won an NFL MVP. Can you name them? There is a hint attached to this one if you want it. I do. Uh, It was in back-to-back seasons. (laughs) Hmm. Jerry Rice. That is correct. And... Let's see. I'm trying trying to think... If it would be a defensive player, or if it would be another wide receiver. So that's the tough part here. Because I feel like the MVPs definitely lean towards the skill position players. But I know, I feel like defensive players have won MVP before. Is it Charles Woodson? That is incorrect. <sighs> Since it's another multiple chance question, I will give you another chance at answering. Okay. Can I have an offense or defense hint? Sure, but that'll take points off. I'll do it. All right, it's a defensive player. 
Uh, so you were right with your, what did you say, Charles Woodson? Is that what you said? Yeah. That, that was a stupid guess, but you are right with the side of the ball. <laughs> I'm just, bla- I feel like I knew the answer to this question at one point. Is it Rod Woodson? No. Is it Bob Woodson? Is it Stan Woodson? All right, so you have one and a half right because you got Jerry Rice there. It was Lawrence Taylor. Oh, that, yeah, no, I definitely feel like I should have got that. Yeah, that was going to be the defensive player that I threw out there. Just I had no idea what the answer was, but I was like, Lawrence Taylor was really, 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 really good. I think I was, <laughs> in, my, in my mind, Lawrence Taylor is from an earlier... NFL generation, but I think that's Back just because when they Jerry would Rice even consider a defensive Jerry, player as an MVP. <laughs> I think Jerry Rice played for a billion years, so he played for a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, that checks years. out. Yeah. That checks out. All right, question number five. This is fun. <laughs> North Carolina has four NBA players in ESPN's top 100 of all time. Can you name them? In the college top 100 or the NBA top, top 100? Is that what you said? Uh, NBA players. North Carolina has four NBA players in ESPN's top 100 of all time. Okay, okay. Can you name them? Uh, Michael Jordan. Yes. Um, Vince Carter. Yes. Rashid Wallace. No. <laughs> Terrible guess. <laughs> top 100 NBA players of all Rashid time? Rashid Wallace. Was a cheat code, man. <laughs> I like. I could do everything, and he could get technical fouls better than anyone in league history <laughs> just by looking at a ref. Um, boy, these got to be older guys. They've got to be older guys. Um, yes. Is James Worthy one of them? Yes. Okay. And because it's a multiple answer question, I'll give you another shot at uh, that fourth one. I'm gonna go with Phil Ford. That is incorrect. Okay. So, we're going to have to do some math here, dang it. Okay. No, you don't. The points are made up. And the rules don't matter. I feel like All they right. matter more this week than they normally do. <laughs> <laughs> so, the last one was Bob McAdoo. Oh, yeah, I would have got McAdoo. there. I would have got there eventually if you gave me, like, 15 guesses. <laughs> You're not doing great, Justin. Okay. You right now have uh, two point. You have two and a quarter points. After five questions. It's not great. It's a weird scoring system. <laughs> like, you can talk. Minor. This one's got a beaver emoji at the end of it. Okay. Okay. In honor of the Elite Eight qualification of the Oregon State Beavers, which school has reached the Elite Eight the most times? North Carolina. That is incorrect, but I understand why you guessed that. Is it Duke? No, it's not Duke. Is it UCLA? No. Which is kind of surprising, actually. Huh. Is it Kentucky? Yes. Oh, I got it right. <laughs> First try. <laughs> oh, yes, it is Kentucky, and that makes sense that Francis would put that in there, right? That should have been my Kentucky. second yet. No. Or does I, he like Kansas? I was. He likes Kentucky. See, this right? is where, like, yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay. But this is where, like, you, it's playing mind games with me because it wasn't that I knew the answer to that, <laughs> but it's like when you picked an answer to a question because you knew it's what I would choose. Yes. So first guess North Carolina because if I if it was Out them and I got it wrong, I'd look terrible. Yeah. Second guess Duke because he would have loved to rub <laughs> that in my face. And third guess should have been Kentucky because that is his favorite team. Yes. 
So, so I went behind the but count. You did not win. But I got it right. Yeah, after your like fourth <laughs> try. And I wasn't giving you any extra tries. You just kept going. All right. Question number seven. Oh, there's also some bonus questions. How many so of are there? There's some bonus questions. Well, remember, there's you know, nine. If you gave him a point for answering right, but then subtracted a point for all the wrong answers. Oh, yeah, he does that he to might me feel sometimes. Better. Or actually, he gives himself points. When so I've got <laughs> like true. I've got a bunch of points so far. <laughs> I'm doing great. All right, North Carolina has reached the finals eleven times. Only three other teams can claim that many finals appearances. Can you name them? Three teams. The final four or the championship? What was the question again? I'm sorry. You are the worst. <laughs> North Carolina has reached the finals eleven times. Okay. So I'm assuming that's the championship game. Right? Must be. Yeah. He wasn't clear on that one, though. Okay. How many teams did you say have done it? Three other teams. So I will give you four guesses. Okay. Kentucky? Yes. UCLA? Yes. And I'm going to go with Kansas. That is incorrect. Dang it. But you have another shot at it. (sighs) There's one I just really don't want to (laughs) say. Is it Duke? It is Duke. Dang it. <laughs> I just, just I wanted just... to avoid saying that out loud. <laughs> okay, question number eight. Ron Swanson has a perfectly calibrated <laughs> recipe for maximum personal achievement. What is it called? Uh, I can picture it. Um, Come on. It's a pyramid. Ron Swanson's Pyramid of Excellence. Oh, that is incorrect. If you would have said... Ron Swanson's Pyramid of Greatness, oh, I would have taken that. but it's That's really close, though. I should get a half point. It's the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. See, if you would have just ah. barely missed it, I would have given it to you, but it is the Swanson Pyramid of because Greatness. Because I said Ron? No, you said it's the Ron Swanson. You said Ron Swanson's, so that was already <laughs> different. And then you said Pyramid <laughs> of Excellence. But if you would have said Greatness at the end, I would have given it to you, okay. but no. That's right. just... Not correct. All right. According to the pyramid, when is crying acceptable? Crying is acceptable. <laughs> There's two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Andrew's favorite question wow. ever. <laughs> I don't think Andrew's losing it. I've seen him belly laugh like that. <laughs> Have you read far enough in the show sheet to see the uh, questions in the mailbag? No, I haven't. Francis contributed some. Okay. Okay. About crying. I, I, I think. <laughs> I think. Uh, boy, yeah. I don't remember this like at all. Like okay. I don't remember the answer at all. I'm gonna guess. Okay. When you have your first child. Nope. Um, and uh, the other guess will be when someone steps on your toe real hard. Nope. Because it's multiple. I'll give you one more shot. Um, so far, you're just way off. I know, because the, well, it's guess. Ron Swanson, and I'm I'm not thinking of this like a Ron. I'm not thinking of this like Ron. I gotta get in Ron. What would Ron Swanson cry about? If someone... Did he cry? He when cried when Mulligan's the, Steakhouse yeah, when closed. Is that one of them? Oh, it's not, but that I think he did actually cry when that happened. Okay, so well, he broke his own pyramid of greatness in that situation. It, he was. It was a low moment. 
Ron Swanson says that crying is acceptable in two situations, funerals and the Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, All right, remember. now you do have some bonus questions to make up some points, and boy, do you need it. You <laughs> have, How many points do I have? You have three and a quarter points. <laughs> Out of a potential nine? Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, is it a potential nine? Yes. Uh, I thought it was something else. I don't know, like <laughs> Zulu. 11d6. <laughs> All right, bonus question one. There is only one category on the pyramid listed twice. What is it? Athletic achievement. No. Skim milk. Avoid it. Okay. <laughs> Skim milk is milk is water that's lying about being milk. Yeah. All right. Uh, bonus question two. On The Office, one character's screen name is also their real name, first and last. Yeah, Creed Bratton. Okay, you got that one. You want to know the ones that have the same first name also? I could do that. Angela's first name is Angela. Phyllis's first name is Phyllis. Uh, I think that's it. <laughs> is that it, or is that the only two that you can remember? No. I have a question. No, about I think Creed. that is it. Yeah. Is is the reason that his screen name is the same as his real name the fact that he, he actually... wasn't actually aware that there was a TV showing going on <laughs> and he was just there? No, I think it's because he actually was in a band called The Grassroots and his name actually is Creed Bratton. I love it. And they just carried right. that over into and the And they show. just couldn't get rid of him off the set, so they just put him in All the right, show. Probably. <laughs> this last bonus question is worth double. If you get it wrong, if you get it right, then it's just. Really <laughs> All right. This is the bonus bonus question. Only one person in the scrimmage bracket challenge picked the Beavers to make it to the Elite Eight. Who was that participant? <laughs> And he says, you're welcome. It took him an hour to look through all the brackets to figure this out. <laughs> I am shocked that a person... <laughs> shocked! Is it Cole Daniels? <laughs> Incorrect! <laughs> it is Francis! <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> no! Then how, why did it take him an hour? Because <laughs> he, he had to, to see if anybody that. else did. Yeah, he had to go through and check to see if anyone else did. <laughs> <sighs> Cole Daniels with the shout out there, though. So, Justin, uh, you got 4.25 correct out of, out of over 9 out what of 12, zone, technically. What, what zone does that put me I, in? You might it, be in the Duke zone. I think that's in the Dukey zone. Yeah. No, that would have to be the lowest zone. You'd I, have to get negative points to I end might up have in the to, Dukey zone. I well, think because of the way this uh, quiz was formatted, negative points were actually... <laughs> Is the Dukey zone the opposite of the Beaver zone? <laughs> And with that, <laughs> the best part about that whole thing is Justin not getting the Peyton Manning answer right. <laughs> Lest we not forget that beautiful moment. That was so good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so good. Oh, okay. So let's talk about some Seahawks free agency, eh? Okay. <laughs> How are you feeling, Justin? Are you okay? I'm good. Can you recover? Do we need to do the rest of the show without you? I think I'm okay, actually. Okay. All right. That wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> there wasn't as much in like the Tar Heel wheelhouse yeah. or that. But the Peyton Manning, like as yeah. soon as you said, because yeah. right before that you were like, you know, I feel like Francis knows me well enough right. to, to get me to be embarrassed if I miss one. And just the fact that after that, after he wrote out that question, he said, admittedly, that's an easy one. 
<laughs> but if he misses it, considering one of his children is named Peyton. For, yeah, for clarification, my child is not named after Peyton Manning. I named a tape gun Peyton after Peyton Manning, and my child is named after the tape gun. That, so. that makes a lot of sense, yeah. knowing you. Yeah, so Seahawks free agency. very attached to his tape guns. It's true. What? What's what a tape gun? Well, I used to work at a. What's a tape gun? <laughs> uh, it's a tape dispenser that okay. is. It has like a really solid handle, and you just put it on a box, and then oh, you pull it. Across. I didn't know that was called a tape gun. I've oh, seen yeah, yeah, those yeah, yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So when I worked at, uh, I used to work at a packing and shipping outlet, and one of the things I used to do was take a sharpie and name every tape gun. And one of the tape guns I named Peyton, and shortly after that, my son was born, and we named him after the tape gun. I'm going to tell Peyton this the next time I see him. He knows. He knows he's he named knows. after a, paint, a tape gun? Yeah. That poor child. It was my favorite tape gun. <laughs> it was a great tape gun. All right, all right. Seahawks free agency. Have they done enough to make Russ happy? I, it's interesting because I've heard this conversation come up a few times. They, they oh, wait. Really... Hold up. Hold up. That was brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Yeah. Stump I'm, Justin this Stump week. Stump Justin was brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. It was a really good segment. So, yeah. Nice job by Daniel and Francis yes. on that one. Basically all Francis, but yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Dan- you, you did the delivery. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Francis shipped the package and you did the final delivery. Yes. Go Beavs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this question come up a couple times. Seahawks free agency. Did the Seahawks do enough to make Russ happy? They, they didn't really revolve free agency about doing the things that Russ said he wanted them to do, which basically was to reinforce the offensive line. They signed back most of the offensive linemen they already had, and they traded for one guy. They traded a fifth-round pick for a guy from Oakland so or Las Vegas. So I don't know if anything – like the fact that it's all become really quiet all of a sudden – I think is much more likely because the two sides actually like communicated with each other and talked and then everything kind of settled down, but they didn't really do much to make Russ happy. They followed the same free agency profile that they've had as long as I can remember. They didn't go make a bunch of big splash signings when the big guys were getting a lot of money. They waited for the second wave of free agency and signed some guys that didn't get the big money deals. Yeah. So I think more or less they just did what Pete and John do. They also got Chris Carson back. Yeah. Which was a surprise. That was a big surprise to me. Uh, they did get an offensive lineman, as you mentioned, with that trade. So maybe they're like, look, Russ, we got an offensive lineman and now we have no more draft picks. When you started that sentence, I thought you were going to do the popsicles voice. <laughs> Look, Russ. Look, got, Russ, you want a popsicle? It's a guard. <laughs> we got a guard, Russ. Yeah. So who else? Is, do they still have Brandon Shell? Is he coming back from last year? The yeah, right tackle? I think so. So it'll be Shell, Lewis. They re-signed Posick. Yeah. Get this guy to play left guard in Jackson. Is that his name? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Dwayne Brown. And it's interesting with Dwayne Brown, too, because Dwayne Brown like Jamal Adams, is going into the last year of his deal. So I think there's still a possibility that like they might work out extensions with both of those guys upcoming really soon. 
because right now the Seahawks are over the cap. Even with releasing Jaron Reed, they're over the cap right yeah, now. They're well over the so cap. So they're going to have to renegotiate and extend some guys to get under the cap. But it's possible we might hear some of those things be announced. And they, they might already know they have the framework of those deals figured out. So they were able to spend in order to to make this happen. So it's kind of hard to like really, since there's so much that's still going to happen in the way this roster is formed, it's a little hard to tell right now if they've really done enough to make Russ happy. Exactly. And I think one of the big things would be is getting another tackle that would be serviceable if Shell gets hurt again. Yeah. Because at, at the end of the season last year when Shell was dealing with injuries and everybody they ran in to replace him, they were all so trash. I mean, it was it was so bad. Like, there's guys just mm-hmm. running around the edge untouched. Like, they were playing defensive end like I would defend, which is like, oh, don't touch me. But you couldn't <laughs> catch him, and so they didn't have to make contact Just with like anybody. they wouldn't be able to catch you. And doubtful. <laughs> but I would be sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> no. It, I don't know. So, I yeah, I don't think that they really addressed anything. They only have three picks in the draft, so it's not like they can do much there that would... Do you think that even though the picks are, like, they're not early picks, do you think that there's a chance they're going to trade out to try to get more bites at the apple, as Brock Heward loves to say? Like I, I would assume so. They're going to try to get more, like, five or six picks, turn their three into five or six, um, but then just everybody you draft is going to be in the last three yeah, rounds. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's going to be in the fifth, sixth, and <laughs> yeah, seventh They do round. have a second round pick, right? There has, or is it third? There has been a lot of talk about how this draft will be less likely to be concentrated at the top because of the lack of college season. And I mean, there's people that didn't even play for a year plus. So maybe they're thinking if we're going to be all in the back end of a draft, this is the year to do it. That makes sense. I mean, the amount of scouting definitely less this year than it usually would be with all the COVID shortened seasons, or like you mentioned, people opting out that are in the draft. It's going to be really interesting to find out how that works, and maybe they can find some more steals at the bottom of the draft that could help them out. So I would hope they would try and trade back, but would other teams want to do that Probably. this year? Yeah. I always thought like often the practice of trading up in the third or fourth round is kind of weird. Like Once you get to the third or fourth round, you're sort of just... Like, how, how would you know? Like, you're picking guys that have been already passed over a few times. Exactly. It makes more sense to me to dra- to trade up in the first and second rounds. But anyway, I, I think, should Russ be happy? Yeah, I think Russ should be happy. But I also feel like the people in the media have been putting words in Russ's mouth yeah. so much. Yes. And they've continued to. Russ never said, our offensive line is trash. And I and the Seahawks need to do a better job of giving us an offensive line. He said, we need to be better up front, and I'm sick of getting hit so much. Mm-hmm. And that's not just offensive line. As Michael Bumpus has pointed out repeatedly, pass protection is offensive line, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, and most importantly, scheme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many things involved in pass protection that are going to keep Russ from, you know, that'll keep Russ on his feet better. Yeah, so, and that's the good sign about the Shane Waldron hire yeah. is that scheme should help offensive linemen a lot. We've heard people talk about that was a big part of that whole scheme they had in LA was try and make it as easy as possible on the offensive linemen. And also, that was another signing. They got Gerald Everett. Mm-hmm. It's Gerald, right? Yep. Uh, from LA and so nor 
First of all, I don't think they needed a tight end, but whatever. They went and got it. <laughs> but I think Hollister's gone. Hollis, yeah, but they, they had like 20 tight ends last True. year. Yeah, they had two guys they drafted, too. Yeah. Sullivan and... Uh, I can't remember the other guys. One Parkinson. Is, Parkinson. One yes. I, always say, I always want to say Hawkinson. <laughs> it's not. It's Parkinson. I don't like Hawkinson. That's school from down south. <laughs> I'm just there there's so many list. schools that you don't like. like <laughs> let's like a, make a list one of these days. It'll be a segment on our show. Top five high schools Daniel hates. Number one, Linden, Linden Christian. Christian. Number, Number two, two, Le Center. <laughs> Three, Hawkinson. <laughs> Number four, <Kings>. Montesano. <laughs> no, <laughs> no it'd be Kings. Yeah. <laughs> It would be. Then Montesano. Uh, no. <laughs> um, so the the exciting thing about that is, though, is that he was very successful in their offense. So he's not coming to a different situation and we're like, oh, is this going to be another Jimmy Graham situation? It's like, no, he should be comfortable being, or they should know how to use him, seeing that they were just using him. So I'm kind of excited about that. And they still have Will Disley, Parkinson, Sullivan, I thought there was another one. Oh, no, because I think they let Luke Wilson go, too. Yeah, I think so. so. I think Olsen, Wilson, and Hollister are all gone, right? Did Hollister sign somewhere else yet? I think he's just still a free agent, Okay, if so I remember correctly. If that if he's a free agent for much longer, I'd expect him back, too, to be honest. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, next up, you want to move on? Yeah, I just... Well, I don't think there's a ton to talk about with the Mariners. I thought it was... I mean, we have opening day coming up here in a few days, yeah, right? Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week. Let's so go. we'll get to see some baseball. Woo! Um, Taylor Trammell made the opening day roster, and mm-hmm. I... The only thing I heard was that um, he may... They don't know which spot in the outfield he's going to play, but he's expected to be an outfield starter. Um, I would assume left field, but... Well, part of it was he might play him in center field right. because he I think he's athletic enough to do that and I think Kyle Lewis is still dealing with a bit of a knee right. thing from banging into a wall out in the outfield. Yeah, I heard that if Lewis is not ready to go for the opener that Tramel may start in center but they hadn't completely decided. I think the big story that a lot of people wanted to talk about was Kellenick not making the opening day roster. Um I think there's a couple things a couple big parts of that. One is, is it service time manipulation? Because that was the big talking point because of the stupid president who went and said all the things. And yeah. then also Kellenick has been pretty public about how he wants to be in the majors. And hey, you told me if I sign this deal, then I could be in the majors. So do you, Daniel, do you think this is service time manipulation or do you think this was the right move? I don't think this is service time manipulation. The more I hear Jerry DePoto talk about it, mm-hmm the more unprecedented it would be for a young a player as young as he without the experience. If he had had the whole minor league season last year, I think he would have had a chance to be in the majors this year. But he only has like 20 summit bats above high A. I, That'd be crazy. I just want to add my like I I agree with you. I don't think that him not making the opening roster this year is I, I think that is both because the uh, Tr- Trammell has stepped up and and earned the right to to go, and also because Kellenick ha- hasn't built up that, I one hundred percent think that Kellenick not being in the major league at all last year was service time manipulation. A hundred percent. There is be. no excuse that it helped. In my opinion, the excuse that he needed to be not 
playing games to aid his development is completely bogus. He should have been with the major league team and and coaches that would have been helping him develop at, with the major league team because last season was a complete anomaly and it was the only real baseball that was going on and he, they did not allow him to take advantage of that for development because of, in my opinion, because of not wanting to waste a year. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm I mean, mad about it. I, I, I <laughs> totally get where you're coming from, and yet I totally understand why they wouldn't want that year to be wasted. Yeah. You know, like for for a season like that when I, everything was messy and... But they, do, you, do you really think, like, don't... Wouldn't that have helped his his development I, to I actually ass- see real pitching. I assume so because I think he's the type of person that I don't think it would have shattered his confidence if he would have gone up and struggled. But I understand why they're gun shy with how it. Much, how much like I know But that on the other White, side, I know that they White let Evan more, White go up and do the same thing. Exactly. So, and I mean, Evan that's White why was, it doesn't make sense. He had slightly more what he played college, right? Yeah. So it's not the exact same thing. But, but I, I quite frankly don't believe you if you're t- – and I'm not saying you. I mean anyone who's looking at me and saying, oh, no, it was better for his development to do the offseason stuff that they had him doing last year instead of actually playing and seeing high-level pitching. I think there's a couple things. One is that it's pretty clear that there was an at-bat – there was like, here's a number of at-bats we want you to have. And whether that's because they knew he wasn't going to get to those at-bats and they wanted to hold him down, or for whatever reason, the Mariners had set this, we want you to have a certain amount of at-bats before we bring you up to the big league squad. And like you pointed out, Daniel, last week, or the week before, I can't remember, you said it wouldn't make sense to bring him up right away. Yeah. So he doesn't really fit the mold of a fourth outfielder anyway. This year. But yeah. last year, this that's what I'm saying. Last year, it didn't make sense not to bring him up as soon as they were like, oh, he's not going to be able to play every day against real competition. I, I think like I think that the argument – so I have heard people make that argument where – and actually this was something I think Danny O'Neill even said on, on Danny and Gallant was that the way you should approach it is you have all your players and whoever's the best gets up to play. But that's not the way teams handle great prospects because they're nervous that if you put them up too quick that you're going to ruin them. So All I don't like Zunino, Dustin Ackley. Right. Sure. So I can't tell you what's right and wrong. I can tell you that it's it's not an uncommon practice, and I also don't think it's always service time manipulation. And I don't sure. believe the the Danny O'Neills of the world who say the best player should play regardless because you invest a lot of um, money and draft capital and energy into developing guys, and especially if you're not really ready to win right now, you want to make sure that they're ready. I, I wanted to read two tweets that I saw about the Kellenic thing because the thing everybody's most worried about is, is Jared Kellenic going to be mad? Yeah. Like, is he going to be upset? And um, I think the injury probably played into some of this oh, sure. this year too, which may have alleviated how mad he was. Well, uh, Ryan, Ryan Divish posted, if Kellenic was angry or bitter, he certainly didn't show it. He was very restrained. Um, and then there was a quote from Kellenic that was tweeted by Shannon Dreyer 
that says, when talking about the fact that he didn't make the opening day roster, he says, obviously it's frustrating. I'm a competitor. I want to help the team win as soon as possible, but I understand where they are coming from, and all I can do is focus what I need to focus on what I need to focus on and get there as soon as possible. So I think at the very least, publicly, he's acknowledging, hey, I may not agree with it. I'd love to be on the big league squad, but I understand where the team is coming from. And honestly, that's really good to hear because every time I get the notification that it's the Jerry DePoto show on mm-hmm. Danny and Gallant, I stop whatever I'm doing and I listen. Yeah. And one of the things that he has said multiple times is we have sat down with him and talked with him personally and explained what our views are. Yeah. And so at that point, if Kelnick's a reasonable human, which I understand that he is, and they're actually not just completely blowing smoke that he can be like, all right, I even if he disagrees with them, like he, he can be like, okay, at least I see what you're saying. I don't agree with it. I want to be up there now, which great. I think he should want to be up with the big league squad, but at least he can understand and see where they're coming from. And I hope that everything he's saying right there. And some of his other quotes, uh, he Shannon Dreher did kind of a long piece on, on Kelnick, and it was really good. I would definitely recommend going and reading it. Um, she also talked about it on maybe it was Danny and Gallant or uh, Brock and Salk. I can't remember which one, but she said that as much as he is brash and talks about himself and tries to, you know, and really is excited and makes comments like smell you later and all that. He talks about his teammates a ton mm-hmm. and he talks about wanting to win with those guys and he sees them working hard and he wants to seattle to have a world series because they haven't had one in forever so that's uh, all things that i'm excited about especially as you could definitely see someone with that type of personality being like well i'm gonna do my time and be out and gonna go win somewhere and we haven't heard that at all so yeah and either way there's a lot of years in bet- between now and then for the mariners to get things on track so as yeah. if they start winning that's going to make a lot of this easier exactly All right, that's enough Mariners talk for right now. We'll love to talk opening day and how they actually look in real baseball next week. No, we're taking next week off. Oh, you're right. We are. (laughs) Next Sunday's Easter. Oh, but what if the Beavers are in the Final Four? We'll do a special. We'll do a special pod. We'll do a bonus pod. Okay. Maybe over Skype or something. Yeah. And it'll just be me yelling the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Running around the house. Maybe, Daniel, maybe you should live stream the, the... the do you want to see me uh, like uh, live stream the game on the twit on the on twitter i think that'd be pretty pretty in- entertaining I for me uh, <laughs> see here see here's the thing i oh my gosh i don't think incoherent beaver noises yes. so so typically while like we oh all love gosh. sports and we all love to watch sports together when there's a beavers game going on daniel how many times have i in our group thread been like how you doing are you okay how are you feeling because i know these feelings okay and and oh my I gosh. all we get back is incoherent beaver noises it's fine but in and chainsaw if there's sounds a, if there's a t- I, I enjoy sp- sports and i love watching sports but if there's a game that i really care about on i don't enjoy it <laughs> like at all there was like no it's it's something that you enjoy afterwards <laughs> exactly. after you won exactly yeah. the the amount of like i might have ulcers after this tournament <laughs> like and the places where i've watched these games are so weird because like they're in random times and 
normally there are times when like Courtney and I have plans. And so like yesterday we were on like a nature walk with her family and I was watching Sounds the game. Sounds like you're bad at planning. Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, I was watching the game on my phone through the out in the the entire walk, and I don't think I looked up from it. Like every now and then, I look up and I'd be like, "Oh, it's a really nice day." Right back to the phone, like watching the game, and then we'd sit down at like a bench because there'd be like a sign to read or something, and they're reading it, and I was just rocking back and forth on the bench because I'm just so stressed out. You know what is amazing though is I think that that. Like, <laughs> was a great level of dedication to you for on your point to your family (laughs) because if it was me do you know what would have been canceled that damn nature (laughs) (laughs) my dad i finally found a way for my dad to watch the game because he was struggling with the app and everything like that so we finally figured it out and he said that while he was watching it he couldn't get he couldn't drink his coffee because his hand was shaking so much <laughs> trying to get it to his mouth. He said he was just spilling all over the place, so he had to just put it down. Like the amount of sports stress going on right now during these games is just amazing. But now it's the in between time, so you get to celebrate. Exactly. And then you can freak out again when the next game starts. Yeah, what? Tomorrow? Yeah. Next game's tomorrow. Huh. Okay. So, so what you're saying is that. Someone else needs to live stream you. <laughs> yes, someone else would have to just yeah. Maybe do that. Courtney can do that. Uh, yeah, maybe. I feel like that might cause marital problems. Could, especially because I could see her being like putting a camera in my face, like "How are you doing right now?" And then me just like melting down. All right, we're gonna take a commercial break and be back for the good stuff right after this. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. All right, it is time to look at local sports. Thank you again to our sponsors, the Law Office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz and Oli Penn Real Estate, the sponsor of our Oli Penn Athlete of the Week. And this week we got a couple of different players that I think we want to look at. Um, I think Andrew makes a good point when he says that multiple with how this season is shortened for everything makes sense. Uh, Justin... I'll let you start because I think that your nomination here is definitely worthy of an Athlete of the Week. Well, my Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week comes from Montesano Baseball. What? And it's going to be a freshman. <laughs> wait, wait, where? Montesano Baseball. Montesano. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I only pick Bulldogs. <laughs> I'm stealing Matthew's line. My Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week is Bodie Poehler, who as a freshman starting in the season opener at shortstop. Wow. Went three for three with two RBIs, including a walk-off double. Yes. In the seventh inning to end the game, uh, scoring Jackson Booze. So this Montesano team, you know, going playing against River Ridge, it's a cross-class game against a higher classification team, pulls out a 5-4 to win on Friday. And Bodie Poehler, who, to be honest, I've known Bodie literally since he was a baby. (laughs) I didn't know that as a freshman he was going to be starting at shortstop until I saw it in the article. And then when I saw it, I was like, it's really not that surprising. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I've had the privilege of knowing Bodhi, as I mentioned, since he was a little, little baby. Um, I taught him in Sunday school. I've coached him in baseball. He's really good friends with my son, who's the same age. And he is a great kid. He works harder. He treats everyone with respect. I, I felt like specifically with baseball, and Bodie is a good athlete and he plays basketball and football as well, but specifically with baseball, the, I know people who grind the way Bodie does and who work the way Bodie does. And he's been such a great player, you know, since as long as I can remember. I think actually Peyton played coach pitch with Bodie. Wow. And he was just mashing the ball, even at that age. Yeah. Um, but Bodie, congratulations, man. Huge accomplishment just to be starting on the baseball team as a freshman on the varsity baseball team as a freshman is amazing, but you can't ask for a better start than a 1000 batting average <laughs> in the first game and a walk-off double. Yeah. Congratulations, Bodie. Great job. Seriously. Anytime you have a big game and then, or a decent game and you have a walk-off. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's going to get <laughs> you a shortstop. Yeah. That's the other thing I was going to get to a starting shortstop. In high school baseball is like you need that to be the anchor of your defense. And the fact that a freshman is starting at shortstop is that means you're going to be an elite player. Like that's insane. And uh, go three for three, two RBIs, including a walk off to get the win over a bigger school. Yeah. I mean, that uh, that checks all the boxes for athlete of the week. Uh, the other kid I wanted to mention, um, another golfer, I mentioned a golfer last week, and I knew that there was another one in the Grace Harbor area who's been having an excellent season, and I know that the season is done, but I actually ran into him at the golf course the other day, so I had a chance to chat with him for a little bit. And so my Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week is Aberdeen's Nolan King. He is the Aberdeen's best golfer right now. He is constantly up at the golf course putting in work, both him and Michael Jump, Hoke Williams' best golfer up there all the time playing golf and working and working and grinding and getting better. And you just see him working on different things. They're on the range. They're going out to specific holes. Like they're hopping around on either side of me because I'm taking too long in the woods. And so like, <laughs> <laughs> they'll just go. You in guys the can just play through. Exactly. Play through. They'll <laughs> skip a hole to go around me. They're super respectful kids. They're awesome to be around up there. And I'm not positive about this, but I'm pretty sure that I heard that Nolan was the Evergreen League MVP for the 2A golf this year. And he is, I just hope that's actually true because he deserves it. I mean, you see some of his scores. He is an excellent golfer. And I'm sorry, I looked everywhere to try and confirm that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that I heard that somewhere. So uh, Nolan King... Keep doing what you're doing. You're having an amazing, or you had an amazing season, and you and Michael are both going to play at Grace Harbor next year. So we're expecting big things because that's a that's a really good golf program that they got going there now, and to have two local kids there, um, two more local kids because I think there's already some local golfers playing there as well. So that'll be really exciting to see that keep getting better. And yeah, Nolan King is my Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. I think it's fun when we talk about golfers because, like, my my first go-to is always, oh, I'm a terrible golfer, and I'll make a joke about how bad I am. But the other thing is, like, you, you talked about them grinding and grinding mm -hmm. and how hard they work. And, like, myself and most people think of golf as, like, a leisure activity. Yeah. But not the way they do it. No. I mean, when you're going through and you're playing so much and you're you're actually not just 
like playing around to golf, but you're putting effort into these different things that you need to work on specifically. Yeah. That that's pretty amazing to me that kids at that age, and I'm assuming they've been playing since they were much younger, since they're that good, would have that kind of drive and patience that it takes to be really good at golf. So, yeah, big-time congratulations to Nolan. All right, let's get into some more local sports here. So we already talked about that Montesano victory over River Ridge. Um, also in baseball, Elma beat Hoquiam 10-3 to on Friday. Brady Johnston went 3-4 for four with three runs scored, two RBIs. Uh, Caleb Knutson had, went 3-4, for four, scored a run, and had two RBIs. And uh, Brody Rustemeyer, JT Tiffany, and Justin Elliott each had two hits as well in that game. And more Elma news. This one coming out of boys' soccer. Uh, Elma beat Raymond South Bend 13 to nothing Whoa. this past week. There were several Ouch. kids that scored two goals each, and That's I apologize if I pronounce any of these names incorrectly, but Rodrigo Luna, Manny Hernandez, Gavin Blackett, Kaysen Seberg, and Cannon Seberg, each with two goals in that victory for Elma. I hope Kaysen and Cannon are at least brothers, if not twins. Sorry. That's Yeah. Well, they have literally one letter different yeah. in their names, and I looked at that, and I thought, wait, did I type that wrong? <laughs> That's awesome. Jeez. That's a lot of goals. That's too many goals. Yeah. You got to start playing backwards next time. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's crazy. The other thing we had was on Thursday. Yeah, I, I was waiting because yeah. I wanted you to try and work through this because track is hard. Yeah. <laughs> so so here's the deal. There's a track meet in Montesano <laughs> on Thursday. Um, I believe there were four schools there. Monty, Elma, Mary M. Knight, and Ilwaco, maybe. Um, it was... Uh, on, a, on the smaller side, but there are several schools there participating. Montesano, a whole bunch of winners, and I would like to mention every winner, so bear with me for a minute, All right, and then we'll go. get to the Elma one. So uh, <laughs> Madeline Olson won the 400. Ashlyn Devereaux won the javelin and the high jump. Lily Causey won the 100. Sierra Birdsall won the 200. And there were team victories for Montesano in the 4x1 and the 4x2. Um, the 4x1 team was Jaden King, Olsen, Birdsall, and Jaden Morrison. The 4x2 was King, Morrison, and Olsen again, but also adding Elena Olsen to that team as well. Um, Man, this is a lot of familiar names here. It's a lot of You see a lot of repeat names, especially, well, in high school sports here in general, but in Monty especially. Yeah. Not only the names that you see playing multiple sports, but also families with multiple kids coming through. Yes, yeah. Um, speaking of, Aiden Darst. Yeah. Um, who I think is the third Darst that I can recall playing sports in Montesano. He's <laughs> yep. an excellent football player, but he won the triple jump and the long jump. Um, so my son competed in this. He's only a freshman, but he competed in this track meet. And I think he told me that um, Aiden's triple jump was like two feet uh, short of the school record. Like yeah, he's wow. a really good jumper. Um, Colby Adams won the pole vault. Connor Hollitz won the javelin. Matthew Cristobal won the 800. Hunter Schnorr won the 100, and the Monty 4x1 team of Schnorr, Darst, Adams, and Kaysen Willis-Werner won the 4x1 relay. Not surprising. Those are some fast kids. Fast, fast kids. When like, Peyton told me, when my son cow. told me who the 4x1 team is, because they have a, in Monty, they have a, a senior 4x1, or a, a, like a varsity 4x1 team, and then an all-freshman 4x1 team. 
And Peyton was like, Peyton told me, oh man, we got smoked. And I was like, well, who's on that senior four ride one team? And he told me, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you got smoked. That's understandable. That's crazy. Um, but then we had a few winners from Elma as well. And I apologize if I missed anybody. I really did my best. Um, um, real quick. Yeah. Uh, I always have a soft spot in my heart for pole vaulters because they're crazy people. Mm -hmm. And my dad was a pole vaulter and always loves to talk about that and the good pole vaulters around the area. And he was someone who actually went to Oregon State to pole vault um, and didn't end up making their varsity squad, only did the JV at Oregon State. But yeah, those pole vaulters are crazy. I tried to convince... So Colby Adams, I have like so much more respect, even though I already loved how you played football, but like... That's a level of, it's kind of a fearlessness to yeah. just throw yourself like 15 feet up in the air and just trust that you're going to land okay. I I did try to convince my son that he should try pole vaulting and he was immediately like, no dad, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, which is fair because I wouldn't do it either. Um, for Elmo, we had Tucker Simpkins, who I believe is a sophomore, winning wow. the 200. Whoa. Um, Landon Ritter won the boys shot put and Sarah Bridge won the girls shot put. And in the 1600, Elma's Elijah Flores took first. Nice. That's well done on getting through all of those different track events because that's a lot. And track events are so, have you been to one yet? Uh, I used to cover track. track How long do those things last? Hours. Yeah. Forever. Do they usually have them like once a week or? Yeah. And, okay. and they're actually, if you're interested in everything that's going on, track meets are super interesting. Like for parents and spectators who, um, you know, like my wife, for example, who sits around for hours to watch my son run the 100 and then do like one, one or two other jumping and sprinting <laughs> events. Like, especially the 100. Cause it's like, yeah. and it's done. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because I think his 100 time was like less than 12 seconds. So, um, less than 12 seconds as a freshman? I think so. I think it was like 11.97 or something. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty but fast. I don't. I think he finished eighth. Shoot, is he faster than me now? I think he finished eighth. I, if if Peyton's I, faster than me now, I'm gonna be I upset. Was, I was asking if you really wanted to see him on a court. Oh my gosh. Well, last time <laughs> I raced Peyton, well, I had to pretend I had a hamstring injury. <laughs> I was just, I was, so as I said that, I was literally picturing myself running a 100 against him. Yeah. And I don't think I would race him in anything did over 40 yards. Did you lose in your head? I pulled a hamstring. <laughs> That's very self-aware. I got to like, I got to like that 50 yard mark and realized that I had to kick it up into another gear and then just boom, it exploded. I love how when you imagine yourself in this imaginary race that has never happened and probably never will happen, I feel you like, blow a hamstring. I yes. feel like we need to make sure that happens. You are probably the most self-aware person I know. Congratulations. Great job. Oh my gosh. Um, the only other thing I think we need to mention is that Trace Ridgeway... No way. ...was named Evergreen 1A League MVP for football for the second straight year, and no that was way. not enough for him to be Ole Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. <laughs> Sorry, Trace. Um, but yeah, Trace was MVP. Hoke Williams' Dane McMillan was named Offensive MVP, and Daniel, one of your favorites, Kenny Coonrad from Montesano, named Defensive MVP. Yeah, and uh, Kenny's going to have a chance to go back-to-back next year since he's just a junior, so I would kind of expect that to happen, actually. 
He is so stinking good. And I think Trace Ridgeway being named the uh, Evergreen 1A League MVP might be like the least surprising news I've ever heard. <laughs> Do you want me to run through the and first Dane. team? Well done, Dane, as well. I mean, he was... He had a heck of a year as well. You want me to run through the first team? A lot of local kids. In I, it. I would love to okay. hear the 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 league mentions. I uh, I never find this very quickly, and I always wish that I would find it quicker than I do. So, uh, first team offense quarterback is Dane McMillan from Hoquiam. Running back, you got Isaiah Pierce, which is a junior from Montesano. Conan Baxter, which there is a go. junior from Elma, and then. Takari Hickel is Tenino. Um, receivers, Christian Prawl from Montesano. Isaiah Pierce from Montesano. So both of the first-team receivers are Monty guys. And for tight end, you had Connor Hollitz, another Montesano guy. So It's almost like they went undefeated or something. <laughs> on the offensive line, from Montesano, Kenny Coonrad. From Montesano, Caleb Renninger. Um, from Elma, Caleb Knudsen. And from Hoquiam, Junior Ensminger. Is that the kid that also played some quarterback? He played quarterback, okay. at, yeah, at the end there. And then as a kicker, you have uh, Jagger. Is it Jagger, Didion? Jagger. I, I don't want to say this wrong. For some reason, I thought it was Jagger, Didion, but now you said Jagger. I'm pretty it sure it's Jagger, right. Didion. Okay, it's spelled like Jagger. He Didion. kicked well. Yeah, he was a kicker. Yeah. Um, and then honorable mentions from Montesano, Aiden Darst and Josh Corbett. From Hoquiam, Troy McMinn and John Brown. And from Elma, Noah Hudala, 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 Rodrigo Luna, Brody Rustemeyer, Jared Bailey, and Renee Duran. Nice. Um, and was that all offensive? Th- that was all offensive. Okay. You want to go to the defensive ones too? Yes, please. Give them all a shout out. Uh, yeah. Defensive line from Montesano, Connor Hollitz. From Hoquiam, Caden Stankovich. And from Elma, Donovan Bishop. Linebackers. Um, <laughs> From Montesano, Isaiah Pierce and Caleb Renninger. And from Elma, Noah Hudala. Hudala? I got that wrong again. That's all right. I know Hudala's name because I played against a relative of his. Okay. And then also from Elma, Brody Rustemeyer. Um, defensive backs from Hoquiam, Dane McMillan. From Montesano, Colby Adams. And from Elma, Kobe Moore. Um, and then the punter is listed as Isaiah Pierce from Montesano. Okay. And then honorable mentions from Montesano, Mateo Sanchez, who is a sophomore who yeah. started for Monty, um, Aiden Darst, and Cole Eckerson, also a sophomore, and then Isaiah Pierce. And from Hoquiam, Hoquiam Jalen Hobucket, mm-hmm. and uh, Kieran Bretz. Did nice. I say that right? I actually don't know if it's Kieran or Kyron. Okay. I think it's Kyron, but I'm not positive. And there's several Elma honorable mentions as well. Jared Bailey, Tucker Simpkins, Caleb Knudsen, Austin Salazar, Clay McBride, and Rodrigo Luna. Nice. Any any chance that you saw the Evergreen 2A? Well, I may just have it right here in oh, front of me. Nice. Um, See for, those Aberdeen kids. Yeah, so for... We only have one team, obviously, in the Evergreen 2A, but yeah. for Aberdeen, they had several um, several honors for all league. The senior lineman, Jaden Hosney, made first team offense. Nice. Um, and Eli Brown made it first team as a punter. He did have some booming punts this year. On uh, first team defense, we had a couple of Bobcats as well. Seth, Seth Brown mm. as a senior defensive lineman. He was a stud. And Titus Morrow as a senior linebacker. Yeah. And as a defensive back, Jeremy Roberts um, was also named. He played very well too. Yeah. yeah I so, love how he plays the ball as a defensive back. So several kids from Aberdeen getting named all seniors. Love it. 
Love it. Uh, that's going to do it for our local sports. Come back for the mailbag after this. The team of realtors at OliPen Real Estate wish you and your family good health during this stay home, stay safe time. Their team has health and safety measures in place to protect you and everyone involved in the process. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is a great time. There are more buyers than available homes. Many homes are still receiving multiple offers and are selling for above asking price. OliPen Real Estate will help you put the most money possible in your pocket, in less time, without the hassle. Visit SellMyHarborHome.com to get your home market ready. The OliPen team is ready to work for you. Well, welcome back. Uh, I'm Justin Domashevitz. Daniel will be back in a minute. And I'm Daniel Hargrove. No, you're Andrew Gross, oh, the producer. Oh. Um, we're going to do mailbag in a minute here. I just want to say real quick while we have everyone listening, there's lots of ways you can get a hold of us if you want to you know, send in a mailbag question that you want us to talk about. If there's a kid in high school or junior varsity or little league or whatever. If or if you have results. Yeah. If you have results and you want to send us the results of what happened in your games, we'd love to give kids shout outs. Um, you can get us on scrimmage or on Twitter at the scrimmage on Facebook. And then also we have email, um, the scrimmage at gmail.com. And Andrew, there's a way that people can send us voicemails. We haven't got one yet. Oh, we still haven't got one, but I really want to do it. Andrew, how do you find it? Uh, you go to anchor.fm forward slash the scrimmage podcast. You've said you're going to share this link. Don't worry, I'll post link. the link. You've said that like six <laughs> times. Have you shared, Have you posted no. the link yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> and then, so you go to anchor.fm forward slash the scrimmage podcast. And on on that page... It has a little blurb about us. It has a picture of all of us smiling and looking cheerful. And there's a button that says message. If you click the message button, you can leave us an audio message. And we just ask that you try to keep it somewhere between PG and PG-13 because that's what we usually try to do. I, I think it also cuts off at one minute. So be aware. Don't ramble oh, that's too gonna long. That's going to be a problem have for Francis. Leave, <laughs> or you'll have to leave multiple messages. But but if you're prepared, you can break your yourself up into multiple minute-long messages with no problem. Like All right. It. So lots of ways to get in touch with us. Please do. We love it when we hear from people, um, even if it's self-indulgent. Like, hey, my kid did such and such in this sporting event. We want to hear so we can give your kid a shout out. Please yes, let us know. Absolutely. But we're going to move on to our final segment of the show. The mailbag. Yes, Send the mailbag. Send us your stuff. Send us your stuff in a mailbag. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> are, so are we starting out with the, uh, the questions from Francis here? Yeah, okay, so let's start off with the first one. I've the, got a contribution that we should listen to before oh. we we discuss uh, oh, Francis's no. question. Okay, let's do let's do that. We'll start with that. So you play the contribution okay. and I then we'll do say, Francis's uh, question. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm getting emotional, not gonna lie. <laughs> oh man, we haven't had fans all year and now we got packed house tonight. I'm literally getting emotional. I didn't think I was gonna get that emotional that I was gonna tear up. So this is Daniel during the pre pregame of the Myrtle Street rivalry game, feeling the energy from the fans in the stands for the first time all season and getting a little emotional. And, and in his defense, that atmosphere was charged. Mm -hmm. Like 
there was a lot of emotion slopping around that stadium. So Francis wants A lot wants of it was to, getting on Daniel. Yeah. Francis <laughs> wants to know. Francis wants to know, is it okay to cry at sporting events that don't involve your children? Uh, I hope so, because I was definitely crying. That was right before kickoff. Uh, I thought I'd kind of walk down the booth, and I had talked to Andrew and said, man, this is this is such a cool scene, and I was getting emotional about it, and I was like, you know, I have to bring this up on the radio to try and tell what this feels like here at the place. And as soon as I did, I just started to cry. <laughs> like I would have fully broken down. The reason why that clip's cut off where it is is because Ian kind of recognizes it and jumps in and he's like, yeah, you're right, Daniel. And I was just like, oh, thank goodness. Because I was about to just full on weeping. And I checked my phone shortly after and Francis was listening on the radio and he just texted me, you're a mess. I love it. <laughs> Andrew, what do you think about this? I I think that it is okay to cry at sporting events that don't involve your children if it involves an alma mater. Okay. I think well, that I it's okay. That box. I think <laughs> that it's okay to be that invested in in a school that that you belong to or a team that you belong to. All right. I would say this. I I don't think that I've ever like cried cried at a sporting event that um we were covering that didn't involve a child of mine. I have felt a really special connection to a couple of teams. Yeah. I would say specifically, and I know Daniel, oh. I know you felt this too, oh, but you... when we had to Jordan Spradlin's Montesano Bulldog girls basketball team walk off the court for the last time, their senior season, this was a group of girls, um, Josie Talley, Josie Toira, Hannah Quinn, Cheyenne Bartlett, and Shayla Flock. Yeah, we watched well these done girls getting all those. Thank names. you. Well, we done. watched these girls play together um, since their freshman and sophomore seasons. I had written a profile on their team. I'd met all these girls, and they were they worked hard. They were joyful. They loved each other. They were the most embraceable team I can think of that I that I can recall that I've ever cl- covered that closely. And I worked at the Vidette during a lot of this time too, so I was covering it really closely. When we had to watch those girls walk off the court for the last time and get eliminated in that farce of a first round of a state tournament Ugh, thing yeah. that they did, yeah. that was probably, I know I was emotional. I'm sure that I had moisture welling up in my eyes. I don't think I cried, but I was pretty darn close in that instance. Dude, you talking about that has reminded me that I have cried so many different times on broadcasts. And I'll just start with the most recent. Last year, Monty's football team, after Sam got hurt and they ended up getting eliminated versus Deer Park, the seniors coming off the field at the end of that, I broke down. Ian broke down with that one as well. Uh that Monty team that you just mentioned, and then also where I thought you were going with this, I may have been too stunned to cry, but the Hoquiam boys yeah, team around that, that, one for you. that same time frame with the big three of Jack Adams, Jared Steen, and Jace Varner. And Jace Varner. Uh, that was really hard. Anthony Nash, Ryan An- Espidal. Anthony Nash, Ryan Espidal, Zach Spradlin. Yeah. Uh, those were the seniors on that team. And then you also had, um, oh, the junior who we watched play at Hoop Fest with oh, his buddy. Victor? Yeah, Victor James uh, was also on that yeah. team. And when 
they lost on a buzzer beater. That was probably the most heartbreaking way to lose. Oh my god! Because it was a buzzer beater that was a, it was a scramble loose ball picked up contested shot. Ryan Espidal almost blocked it. Fingertips, and like, that was probably one. Of, we thought they were going to be moving on, and the next thing you know, devastation. Yeah. That was rough. That was one of the... Th- so and that I, was that same year, I think. That was... Or close to it. It was the same year we were there covering both teams. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that farce of a first round was... Just, yeah. Ugh. But you, Daniel, that was the first time that... And we broadcasted a lot of games together. Yeah. That was the only time I can remember that I had to talk because you were <laughs> unable to speak. <laughs> when the shot went in, you went, oh, no. <laughs> This is what happened. And then you just shut down. <laughs> My brain just For stopped. like 45 seconds, <laughs> I rambled. I sent us to a commercial break, I think. And then we gathered ourselves and did a post game, a quick post game. Um, but yeah, that was brutal. So I'm going to say, yes, it's okay to cry at sporting events that <laughs> don't you. involve your children. Because otherwise up. I'm a violator multiple times over. You're a multiple time offender. Uh, yes. Follow up question from Heidi. Is it okay to cry at sporting events that do involve your children. Yes, absolutely. You, I, I'm a crier. I'm gonna be cry- like, I'm the most emotional Dang. person I know. If these <laughs> things aren't okay, then I'm not gonna be allowed at sporting events. Yeah. Um. So I'll I'll say this because I have older children and I have both watched them from the stands and coached them through many seasons of multiple different sports, and I have never cried during any of these but the closest time that i've ever come to crying on the field was when i was coaching my my oldest son peyton during his sixth grade year in football peyton has been a offensive lineman defensive lineman linebacker constantly on the field always there grinding in the trenches and we had this game and for those of you don't know Peyton is not built like an offensive lineman. No, he's a little guy. He's a little fast guy. Yeah, he's a fast guy. Reason, I mean, he ran 100 meters in about 12 seconds or under 12 seconds. So that should show you. And so when you have a kid who wants to play offensive line, that should just give you a little bit more insight into into who this kid is. But we had a game where – I'm going to get emotional talking about this. I'm sorry. (laughs) Do we, we were playing against Elma, and it was 0-0. Zero to zero. We hadn't been able to do anything on offense all game. It was late in the fourth quarter, and we were on defense. And Peyton had a scoop and score fumble recovery that he ran back like 50 yards for a touchdown. And he scored the game-winning touchdown. And it was just the most exciting thing. And like his friends after the game was over were dumping water all over <laughs> him and chanting his name and singing songs. And it was like – it was – probably like that was the moment that I thought this is why we do all this. Mm -hmm. Like we do this so that we can show the kids you work hard, you do what you're supposed to do, then great things can happen and you can achieve great things. So I think like, you know, in those moments when the emotion really hits you, that was, I was really close, but like, you know, I'm looking around and there's all these like super manly dudes around (laughs) me and I'm coaching with Steve Bovey and Rex Peterson and they're just these big manly dudes. And I'm like, not going to cry. No, nope, not going to cry, even though the first thing he did when he came to the sidelines was run to me. Oh, not going to cry. Oh, man. And I didn't. I would have been. Congratulations a, to me. I would have been a mess. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm getting hey. emotional, not going to lie. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling you're going to save that clip and use it way too often. 
All right. Uh, Francis had another question for me because at the end of that game, I may have said that these refs <laughs> are the worst. Um, I said that. They were bad. Dude. In his defense. Justin. They were not good. I... I edited the game the other day to send to somebody because I wanted the, to have the recording, and I cut out what <laughs> happened at the end of that game because I was a little embarrassed for myself or what I said at the end of it. Uh, they called a procedure penalty with two seconds left after they had just ejected somebody and tempers were getting flared and stuff like that was going on, and it was a 30-8 to 30 to 8 win, and with two seconds left... Aberdeen runs the final play. They handed it off to one of their seniors instead of kneeling down because they wanted to get a carry for that senior, which mm-hmm. totally fine. And they called a procedure penalty, and I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. I was like, you're kidding me right now. And I literally said, these refs are the worst. <laughs> um, if they, uh, so Without no, context. Refs are not the worst. I'm sorry. I apologize for my words there. I I, I really felt bad when I listened to that back. I felt can, I felt bad. I know Andrew's answer to this question. Can can I exclude? <laughs> because I feel like we have to put a we have to put special caveat on like people who ref you know local high school games. Yeah. But professional referees. There from we go. The <laughs> NFL and the NBA and NCAA. They're the worst. Yeah. Refs are. The answer to this question is, are refs the worst? The answer is yes. Excluding local people. Yes. Refs are very necessary and the worst. (laughs) And we need more of them. We need more of them, but we should have less per game. (laughs) You you have people who are, you know, yelling at you constantly, but do you want to be an official? Because you should, because we need more of them. And we'll try we not need, to yell at you. We need not terrible ones. I'm sorry. I, I do apologize. I feel <laughs> like I was out of line with those comments. Can we tackle one more Francis question? Because I really want it. Okay. Okay. But that's just because it says LeBron in it. With, that's not the reason. Okay. So Francis says, with LeBron out, who's going to come in fourth place now for the MVP behind Harden, <laughs> Durant? Between, behind oh, Harden, I'm Durant. I'm sorry. I read the, all the way through the question. <laughs> and the flat earther, which is Kyrie Irving. <laughs> So wait, Kyrie Irving's a flat earther? Oh yeah, this was a big thing. You've never heard that? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he got sucked into it. What do you call it when you watch YouTube and you watch YouTube for hours and hours? A rabbit hole? Yeah, he got sucked into a rabbit hole and he did some research on flat earth and then he came out publicly and was like, so, I'm not so sure the earth is round. And people have been making fun of him for for the last couple of years. A couple things about oh, that. Gotcha. If that happens on YouTube, is that like the same thing as a Wikipedia hole, but for illiterate people. And then the other thing I've got to say is, no, he's wrong. The earth is round like a plate. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So so who will come in fourth place now behind Harden, Durant, and the Flat Earther for MVP? First of all, Francis, your question is flawed because Durant's played like six games this year. Yeah. Um, Kyrie Irving, had, is, he's having a really good year. they're all he, on the same team. Yeah, but that was kind of the point, I think. Okay. Yeah, but also <laughs> Kyrie Irving has missed a buttload of games, and he's been really good. I mean, there's going to be people who are going to make a, an argument for Harden as MVP, and I hate it because as much as he's been good and he's evolved his game to fit in with this team, and he's done a great job, and he's obviously an incredible player, can't separate what he did at the beginning of the year in Houston. It's part of the same year. He purposefully... 
tanked himself. So you're saying he can't be the MVP because he was so so bad for the he was so invaluable for the team yes. he played for before. Yes, I, it's part I of the totally same year. I totally agree with you. I yeah. love that logic. The, but Brooklyn, his Brooklyn achievements on their own, you know, could put him in there. But I can't give him the MVP in a year where he purposely tanked his own performance to get off of a team and was terrible in Is the there beginning a of that. Worst player of the league award two, like the the player that detracts the most from their team or from the players around them. <laughs> Least valuable player. Yeah. Um, so here is with his question is I think that the phrasing of this was interesting because he goes with LeBron out. So because we have to have an MVP conversation every week in our country, not on this show, but in our in like national media, it was, oh, Joel Embiid's amazing. Oh, Joel Embiid is injured. Oh, LeBron's amazing. Oh, LeBron is injured. They're clearing the way for Damian Lillard, yes, who is start, finally starting to come up in like the top three of MVP conversations. I picked him before the year. I've argued for him constantly. His achievements... He, he can't be the Ethan Thompson of the NBA, who I don't know about because nobody in the national media told me who Ethan Thompson was, and now it turns out he's amazing. And maybe it's my fault a little bit, too, because I didn't pay close enough attention to what's going on in my own <laughs> neck of the woods. But we can't ignore Damian Lillard any longer. He took a team that's been constantly injured. They're finally starting to get healthy again, which is yes. amazing. But through all of that, they're like eight games over five hundred. He, he was missing his two best other players for massive chunks of the season, and they kept winning, and he's kept putting up these huge numbers. Damian Lillard. I can't Logo say... Logo Lillard for MVP. I can't, I can't say it any better than that. I won't buzz that. So, that's going to do it for our show today. So, for my co-host, Justin... Named his son after a tape gun, Domashevitz. And my co-host, <laughs> D- D- Daniel Hargrove. Yeah. Getting emotional, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> and our producer, Andrew Gross. <laughs> Go Beavs! Go Beavs! You've been listening to this scrimmage. Final four. Bound. Let's do it.